Greetings, I am Jim. And I am Sean, and we welcome you to our podcast. Our goal is to entertain you with our discussions about RPG, fantasy, and everything in between. Come sit by the fire. You're safe here. We'll keep watch. We hope you enjoy 13-Sided Die. Level 1, Episode 7. Our first guest, John from Tale of the Manticore. Come hear John talk about his amazing podcast, his one-shot game, and world builder system as we chat all things D&D. Plus, we play his fun game, One Shot in the Dark. See how Patrick, uh, Philip, the thief, Peter the farmer, Pardue the maze master, and Presto the fantastic fare in our random dungeon crawl. All this and more on today's episode of 13-Sided Die. Hey everybody, we are back. Uh, Jim, do you have any idea what episode number this is? Seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. We'll pick one of those. That sounds about right to me. Uh, We're very excited today, everybody. Uh, Jim and I had talked about having uh, a guest or multiple guests on the show, not at one time, but guests one after the other at some segment. And we are kind of right in that zone right now. Um, We're very excited today to bring a guest in. And uh, Jim, do you want to uh, kind of invite our guest and kind of announce who it is? That's uh, John from Tale of the Manticore. Welcome. Woot woot. Hey, thank you for having me. It's very exciting to be here in the Fungin. Now, am I in the am I in the Fungin? Is that yeah. where the podcast? Ha- okay. Yeah, <laughs> I it feel is, like I'm in a Fungin. This is the virtual Fungin. We're all connected now. Uh, v, the V Fungin, the Fungin, <laughs> the Fungin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we are super excited to have John here. Um, John has an amazing, amazing podcast, and uh, we were chatting a little bit about this. I am relatively new to the world of Tale of the Manticore. I'm about 38 episodes in, and uh, Jim is like, he, he drools each week when they come out. So Jim is that person, which is great. And uh, I thought what we'd do first is maybe let John talk a little bit about what uh, his podcast is uh, about, and then we'll kind of get into some chatting. All right, buckle up, because I'm notoriously bad at elevator pitching my own show. <laughs> uh, for Maybe for good reason, because it's kind of... It's kind of a, a standalone thing. There's not a lot out there to compare it to exactly, but um, I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, it is I call it a semi-actual play, and so it's kind of like half audio drama and half solo actual play. So it's both of those things. It's um, it's like you're listening to an audio drama, like one of the like The Shadow or something, one of those oldie timey radio shows with the music and the sound effects and the and the voice actors and all that stuff, but the plot happens uh, procedurally. So I'm actually, it's really the the dramatization of the game I'm playing. So, uh, you know, uh, dice rolls determine plot events or, um, you know, it's got a D&D combat in it. It, it is a game, but um, it's just sort of skinned in an audio drama format. Does that make sense? Because I'm so bad at doing this, but I keep trying it a new way every time. Did that make any sense to you? As someone who is fairly new to it, I think that's a fantastic way to describe it. Um, I I completely, absolutely zeroed in on the whole kind of Saturday morning serial radio show feeling. Like that is definitely what it feels like to me. Very much like, you know, Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers, <laughs> The Shadow, like that kind of thing. But with that amazing twist on it of not you know, you not even knowing what's going to happen next type of feeling, which I thought was fantastic. So what about you, Jim? Does that kind of match your description? Yeah. Your storytelling is like second to none, honestly, John. And like, I always get so invested with all the characters and 
there is character deaths in the show. Slight spoiler alert, but and they they hit because no character is sacred, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of what's exciting to me is that um, I, I think a lot of us D and D players or RPGers in general, I think we're the kind of uh, people that have a half finished novel in our closet. I think that describes a lot of us. Me too, absolutely. Um, and I always had kind of a paralysis when I was trying to write fiction, and partly because I could never think like, oh, I've got such a whiz banger of a great ending in mind that it justifies dragging someone through three, four hundred pages of story. I never had that kind of confidence, and so I would, I would stop and I would abandon and basically give up on trying to be uh, that kind of a storyteller. But doing it procedurally or, or gamifying it, I guess, it's completely liberated um, my fiction writing, I guess, is what it is. Because now I don't have to worry about, like, how's it going to end? How's it going to end? Because I just follow whatever dice tell me happens. And it's it's actually the best thing as a writer that's ever happened to me. I, I would say, like, if there's any... Uh, burgeoning writers out there randomize some of your decisions and oh my god it just the doors fly open like my my show kind of writes itself in a way yeah i can completely get that i think for what if i could add to that what i found is any writing that i've tried to do in the past just would it would not work and then one day i started trying to write script writing and mm-hmm. I found that opened the door. It was so much easier for me to write in the sense of a script than it was to write in the sense of a novel. Um, being that. more of a being more of a graphic artist, that makes sense because I'm just a dumb graphics guy, not a word guy. Uh, which completely leads into for me as a D and D DM because that is really what you're doing. You're kind of writing a script, and uh, I really get that feeling from your work. That is that kind of you know that kind of element. And the idea of the randomness is just purely brilliant because it just does really give it a chance for anything to happen, right? Yeah, like I say, I I really enjoy it, and I'm I'm on the edge of my seat. And like when combats come up, I'm legitimately afraid that the characters will die, and I'm just as invested as I would be in a table game. Actually, I think more, just because uh, in my show, I I think I do a bit more character development than would typically happen at a table game. I think also, and see what you think, Jim, is that you're also birthing all of these characters as opposed to, say, if it was a table, you'd have, obviously, you know, your friends being their own players. But for you, they're all yours. They're all your children. Yeah, it's extremely selfish. (laughs) And dangerous. If one goes, that's hard. I love that you can tell that, like, how excited or scared you get in certain roles. You can tell in your voice or, oh, no, I got a one. Like, what's going to happen now? (laughs) Yeah, I I hope that I hope that it comes across because the um, one one thing that I can't get around is that I can't play it live. Like I can't record the show while I'm playing it. There's just too much going on with the production um, elements, so it has to be a reenactment. Like all the dice rolling that you hear, I'm sure you've figured it out. There's there's samples of dice rolls, and so. I just do that so I can control the volume and so dice don't land on the floor and stuff like that. It's just kind of a convenience thing. But like if I roll a four and go, ah, four, that happened. This is my reenactment of that having happened because it's not improvised and it's not live. And so that is kind of, I don't know if that's a drawback. I try and relive the uh, the emotion and it's all real. It's just happening as a kind of an echo of the game. I think that's 100% legitimate. I mean, it'd be extremely difficult 
to create a such an awesome show that you have because it's technically very very well done and i think that'd be really hard to do that in a live situation um mm. and yeah, all like the voice actual plays have that right like right. The, your, all... your critical roles or whatever they've got that yeah and that's a different format um different because thing. of all your voices, the different characters that come in, right? Your different um, uh, people that are helping out with it. You'd have to have them all around you to do all that together. Like it's just, yeah. and I, I imagine too, I'm, I'm making a guess here, but I imagine some of the voices are nowhere near you in proximity. There could be on the other side of the country or the world. Nowhere near different schedules, different um, investments. Uh, yeah. So as you said, it's just a completely different thing. Um, both things are good. They're different. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think, and I, I know Jim and I've talked about this, I, I, I think you've absolutely nailed it. And if I can say one thing about it that I do find so fascinating is that you are so open with it. Like, I know I'm only partway through it, but the amount of um, ads that you play on the show, allowing other people to advertise their stuff, and so many times their stuff is in direct conflict with what you are yeah. doing. And, yeah. you know, I've heard you speak about it. You're It's a, it's a big, wide open world, and you're very welcoming. Hats off to you, because that's not a common thing in people in our world. It's not. It should, it should be. Um, like, there's a couple of things to dig down on with this. Uh, one of them would be like ads. To be honest, the inverse is true, and maybe, maybe even more um, salient in this case, just because when I put my ad onto a show, like my ad says something like, are you tired of Monty Python or do you want some show that's more game of Thrones and less Monty Python? And that's playing in the middle of somebody's very zany shenanigans type. Right. And so it's being pointed out to me that I'm kind of uh, dunking on people in my ads. And so the least I can do is ruin the flow of my show with their zany shenanigans right in the middle of some dark moment. Uh, that's fair. Fair is fair. But um, the latter point, so it is a wide, wide world and especially a format like, I don't know what to call it, semi-actual play is about as close as I can get. That format that is wide, wide open for people to take it and push the envelopes and kick at the walls and make something new. There Actually, there are already a few podcasts that are coming down this same road. There's um, uh, Tales of Mistara. There's uh, Legend of the Bones. They're both kind of doing uh, similar things, but they're doing their own take on it, which is super exciting because this is very much frontier. Like I see it this way anyway, a frontier of fiction. There's really not very many people in this particular game. So everything is brand new, and it makes it really exciting, I think. Um, what if somebody did, like, a sci-fi one? How cool would that be? Like, And so I think there are a couple of episodes where I've, I've said something, or maybe bonus episodes, where I've sort of put it out there, like, if you guys have been thinking about doing this, do it. It's, yeah. it's one of the most rewarding things I've done with my life in the past few years. And really kept me sane through the pandemic as a bonus. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Honestly, like it's just, I, I I love how you don't like no one has plot armor, right? And that's the biggest thing for me because I was fine with some even some books I get bored with because I know the main character is not going to die, right? Yeah. And with yours, it's yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, with most like ninety nine percent of fiction, it's how is the author going to cleverly pull something out of the past that I had forgotten about? 
that's going to save the day. Oh, remember that MacGuffin they had in their pocket that I mentioned on page 32? Well, now it's page 459, and they pull out that MacGuffin. You forgot it was there. I didn't forget it was there. And boom, win. And you're like, okay, good. Yeah, you got me. They saved the day from the darkest hour. Um, But you know Spider-Man's going to live. You know... I always go to superheroes. You know John Wick is going to live. Like, there's no real danger. That's why That's why George Martin was so exciting when that came out, right? Because you read that. Oh, yeah. You read about Ned Stark, and you're like, oh, this is, this is actually dangerous. I'm going to get invested in characters, and this guy will kill them. I, that, that, I think, had a big effect on me, because ever since that, I, I kind of thought, oh, there's a there's a different way to do this. If, if you're willing to like strip off that plot armor, you can create a real sense of danger. Like it's not a sense of danger; it's real danger. Well, to imaginary characters, <laughs> but um, you get the I, idea. <laughs> and and that comes through big time. Like the the you know the the Game of Thrones reference for sure. Um, you know that was very. I think that threw everybody when that happened. Um, right. it, it was like wow, this is a main character. We're gonna wipe out a main character so early. Sorry, everybody, for spoilers, but the books came out a long time ago. Um, in regards to your world, you warned us. Like, you warned us that, you know, it's what the die does and, the, the you know, the rule of the dice and all that kind of stuff. But still, at a character death, I was still, like, just beside myself. Like, it was, it was shocking because it's like you did follow through on what you said. And it was shocking in all the best ways because it, it made it so much more tangential and real that there's dire consequences here. As I say, I feel it too and you know i think i had a moment early on in season one there's a character death i guess it's about as far as i'll I'll spoil that just for anybody that hasn't tried it at all uh that might want to give it a shot um and when i when i got to that and it happened the character wasn't very developed you know it was seven eight episodes in i forget and um when when i kind of put it into the script and then i think when i heard it back in the mix with the music and and all that and the and the uh, quote unquote voice acting at the time, mm-hmm. I was really learning. Um, I felt something inside, which is weird because normally I wouldn't feel like that about my own writing, or like if I write music, I don't often feel it in my own gut or heart or whatever. But I felt something, and I that was like there was a moment I thought I think I've got something here because um, I could actually feel that it that it had some uh power in it i don't know if that makes sense but i could actually like my own stuff was hitting me you know in a way and i was getting feels off of my own product which is odd but as soon as, as soon as that happened with that first death i thought okay i think maybe there's something here not that i want to in- encourage more moments like that well i can't encourage it i'm just following the mm-hmm. dice but um yeah, I think I think that was kind of a a turning point for me because I don't know if you listen to those the first episodes. I think the the nicest thing we could say is that they are charming, but really that's a euphemism for they're a little <laughs> they're a little rough because uh, I was just learning it and uh, I didn't feel like I had like a ton of voices in my heads or in my head or characters and I, I guess I never really thought it through when I started. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do this thing. And then, oh, I've got to voice like five different characters differently, distinctly. <laughs> I don't really have like, one, I, I barely have one voice. 
<laughs> all of these other ones. Anyway, it was a learning curve. And for everyone who sticks with me for the first few episodes, thank you very much. You know, and actually, John, I, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to disagree with you big time because uh, I, I know it was new and it was something you're trying out. But even from the beginning, there is something there. There truly is. And, and being the creator, I know it's super hard for you to, you know, to to see that, to admit that, to feel that. But it is. It, it was gripping right from the start. And of course, like everything, it gets better. You know, our, 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 our episode zero is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you get into a rhythm and you get there. But I will say even at the beginning of yours, anybody that, who listens to it, I would be very hard pressed to see somebody that doesn't get gripped by it right away because there is something there right on episode one. Thanks for saying, you, you know, all of us podcasters, we kind of keep track of our numbers and we read the data, right? And it's interesting to me that, um, you know, the, the kind of that retention number, people that try out your show and kick the tires, and that's cool. I mean, I do it all the time. Um, I, th I think you're, you're kind of right. The people that bother to come and check out my weird show, they tend to stick with it. And if they stick with like two episodes, typically they stick with the whole thing. And, and so that's actually really encouraging as a content maker, that um, it's, a, it, it's a niche within a niche. It's solo RPG. I mean, RPG itself is a niche, right? This is like a very, very small little corner of the universe. But it's really gratifying to know that there are people that, that dig um, this thing that I'm making and that they dig the same thing I do. Especially because I feel like the, the general mode of play, like the popular mode of play, is something really quite different than what I'm doing, to yeah. tonally. Yeah, and I would say very, in, in also um, technically, um, and Jim and I chatted about this, it really reminded us, um, Jim plays a lot of uh, the kind of OSR stuff now, I mm. haven't played AD&D myself in years, and I started back in high school, but we've, you know, kind of graduated from that. And it yeah. really reminded me of those days, because 5e, when you think about it, is actually very safe that world to be in. There's a lot of safety mechanisms to maintain that character where what you're doing is not. It's very kind of high wire. It's very dangerous for characters. And that was really cool to to revisit that and remember those days of what it was like. Yeah, like yeah, spoiler, spoiler like light. It. Yeah, how your uh, characters, they just, uh, yeah, spoiler light. But yeah, they start off with nothing, right? And that's cool when it's like, hey, they have this one thing or two things. I wanted to do that even though I, I think I chose a, you know, captured by goblins is the, is how we start. And so they've got nothing. That's, that's a bit of a cliche, but I, I think at the time, I didn't know if three people would listen to it. So I think at the time I just wanted to start yeah. and I thought, you know what a good way to start is not with a shopping trip and not with listing off like, you know, okay. Um, five silver arrows and one vial of holy water and 50 feet of rope. Maybe just nothing. How about nothing? And then we can just start. And so I think that was a, it was a bit of a cliche, but maybe it was the right move just for simplicity. Because I, I think that, and that's why I went with basic D&D, &D actually. I don't, I mean, even, I think I had abandoned basic when I was 13 years old, to be honest. I just used that system and, and made the decision to start the way I did. It's all just for simplicity's sake, because I want the listener to be able to hold the story in their head. And if they have to keep track of like an inventory and like a list of skills that's about 90 feet long, you just can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. It's, it's totally true. And uh, it made your characters, you know, fear a splinter. 
you know, at the beginning, like everything was dangerous. <laughs> it didn't matter if it was a creature, like, because yeah. they were so, they were so raw and that was really interesting. Yeah. I think they're armed with the sharp sticks at the, be at the right? beginning. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. beautiful. I thought maybe it was only going to last like a couple, I thought maybe it's going to be like every like two or three episodes. It's a TPK. And then <laughs> I was like, oh man, I'm like, they're that not going to live happen. through this. <laughs> That could have happened, and I and I had to I had to think that through in advance. What happens if there's a TPK? There've been a few times where that can happen. If it happens early on, I think it's a pretty easy fix. You go, okay, and that was the prologue. Now we're going to start the real story. It starts five years later, and and that would work out really well. However, a TPK at around episode 30, 40, 50, ugh, that would be tough. Luckily, the dice haven't pushed me in that direction yet. Uh, and knock on wood, it will continue to keep me uh, from having to make a really tough call like that. But it could happen at any time. But, that, but that's also part of where the excitement comes from, right? If it wasn't there, it's oh, it's, it would still be so epic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, got, I got about five buddies that text me every time your episode comes. Hey, did you listen to the uh, Tale of Macor yet? You know, and we're talking about it and like, Man, how, they're not going to get out of that. <laughs> well, I don't know either, to be, to be honest, whether they're going to get out of it. <laughs> and that's beautiful. I, you know, and I guess what it goes back to what you were saying before about it being that randomness. But it's, I'm so excited to hear that it's opened things up for you as a writer to be able to go with that. I, I think some people might not be able to do that because they're a little too control freaky. I'm a big control freak when I'm building stuff. But I think that that randomness, it, it just it allows so much cool things to happen and generate stuff in your mind. Yeah, uh, you've probably heard of like backwards design and stuff like that, right? Begin with the end in mind. There's there's your rare writers like Stephen King. He just starts to write. And then by the end, something magical has happened. Or not. I guess he's had a couple of misses too. But mostly, something satisfying happens. But I think that that's the exception to the rule. And most writers, they kind of think it through. And they know how it's going to end. And then they kind of cleverly get there. And along the way the hero will face like that night of despair where all hope is lost, but it's, it's all been planned out in advance and that can be exciting, but you know, you know that, you know, cause there's still a uh, hundred pages left in the novel. You know that everything's going to be fine. Um, cause you're holding, you're holding the book in your hands or you're watching the movie and you can see the progress bar and you're like, well, there's still half an hour left. I guess it's not over. Right. And so I, I kind of like this, living on the edge of the fiction that that's how it feels like you're always right on the edge and you can fall and that's kind of great i dig that i mean games are like that that's that's i think why we like the games because they because anything can happen in a table game and i wanted to bring that to uh, an audio drama and um i guess there's some given there's some take but but largely that's that's the goal and it's a few years now. Um, is yeah. this as Amazing. long as you thought you were going to go? Is it longer? Where does that fit into how you, when you started, what your vision was, or was there one? I, I didn't know. I, I, I had I'll give you a really uh, brief history. I don't want to. I don't want to bore you guys. But um, before before the pandemic hit, I was like um, kind of circling back to the hobby. I'm one of those deep freeze guys that sort of like, I played when I was a kid during the 80s, uh, you know, uh, satanic panic, all that stuff. Um, and really all the stigma of playing, you know, the nerdiness of it, it really pushed me out of the hobby and I gave it up for years 
to be in a like a rock band. Uh, and it was kind of hard to do both and be cool at the time. Anyway, so I basically just abandoned it and then it was gone. And then I did adult life and I did careers and I did all the other stuff that we do. And um, I guess a maybe six months before the pandemic, I started coming back to it. I think what drew me back actually was the Adventure Zone, um, which I think everybody and their dad loves and and knows backwards and forwards. And if anybody hasn't heard the Adventure Zone, oh my God, it's so good. Uh, anyway, it kind of got me thinking about D&D again, and I, I started listening to more podcasts, and then I started really hunting for something that felt like the games that I played, and I couldn't find much. It was just comedy, 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 which is fine. It's great. I love it. I listen to some of it. Uh, but I was looking for something like dramatic and and uh, that made me really feel something very deeply. And again, some of these com- comedy ones, they can do that too, but I wasn't there. I wasn't immersed, and I was looking for the Game of Thrones of podcasts. Anyway, I found something called The Iron Realm, and it was the proto version of what I'm doing now, it, it, the best of my ability, I think this guy was the first to do a semi-actual play. And I loved what he was doing. It felt like he was capturing that nostalgic gaming experience in a bottle. And so I listened to his stuff. I thought, wow, I'll just find all the other ones that are just like this and, and I'll just fill up my feed. And I had no plans on making anything at all. Didn't want to be a podcaster. But I couldn't find any more. His was like the only one I really, really wanted more. And so at the end of the day, I thought, well, I've got a studio and I've got some experience with like sound engineering and I'm an English teacher. There's really nobody on the planet that I could think of that should just do this more than me. Like a D&D nerd, check. <laughs> sound equipment, check. And um, writing geek, check. I mean, what else is there? And so I like I'm I'm that guy. I I should make this thing, and so I tried to make it in secret because my wife um, is not a huge nerd, and I didn't want her to know my secret. Um, that didn't work out at all because because COVID came, and then here I was like sitting in the other room mumbling into a microphone about <laughs> goblins. So uh, we had we had to have a sit sit down and have a talk. <laughs> Uh, of course, she was really supportive. Actually, she she plays Aradine in season one, uh, oh, cool. and uh, so she yeah she's totally supportive of this. And um, I felt very foolish after I I sort of came out of the uh, nerd closet <laughs> unnecessarily. But there we go. Uh, and by then I was making the thing, and it started out very slowly. You know, I had five listeners, and then it was like six, and then I was like, yeah, it's six, but really two of them are me because I checked it twice. And <laughs> uh, any any fledgling podcasters, I'm sure, can uh, yeah. relate to that. And then it was, you know, then it was 10, and then it was 20. And then at some point, I started thinking, you know, I have to invite people on to do voices because I'm out. That made it better, and I think the show got a little traction then. And really, just by inches, like I can remember when it was like, oh, wow, 50, 50 listens in a day. This is the best this is the best day ever. Oh my God, it feels like Christmas. Uh, but then it just kept on growing from there. And But again, like, there was no blast off. There was no, uh, and then I woke up one morning and I had 5 million downloads. There was never, that never happened. It's all been little by little by little by little. 
It makes me think of stories like, uh, you guys listen to Black Flag or any of those old punk bands, all those like DIY punk bands that are like, for their gig, they're like gluing their posters to <laughs> telephone, and they're just building up their fan base one by one by one. And my show has had kind of a similar history. Like it's kind of uh, the punk band of APs, I think, in that it's it's got a, like a very loyal fan base, but it's it's one by one by one by one, and it it's got like a quite a decent following now. But it wasn't like fast, like you said. I've been doing it for a few years now, yeah. uh, and so. Actually, I'm really, I'm really grateful to anyone who's kind of given me their time. Uh, it's kind of a special thing. You guys make content. You guys know how that feels like when you get people listening to the show and they write and they say they enjoy it or something like that. It's like, wow, that's you have to have a moment of gratitude and be like, wow, thank you for giving me your time. That's just awesome. I'm just making this thing. And wow, you dig it? That's so awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's kind of like those bands that are the 10-year uh, overnight successes. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to actually ask you about that, John. Um, I was wondering, so the music we're hearing in the podcast is all from you. Is that correct? Mostly. So okay. uh, I think when I started, it was about 60% um, downloaded, you know, uh, creative common stuff uh, or no copyright stuff from YouTube. And like the theme song, I got it from YouTube. And I think it was probably the second thing I found. Um, and I just lucked into something that kind of worked very well. Uh, actually, that's true of a lot of things with the show that I locked into things that worked well for the most part. Uh, and then, you know, over time, I would, um, I was always like really excited about the show and thinking about it all the time. And so uh, I would make music just as kind of like, a, and I'm going to do this too. And I was trying to do everything uh, too much, actually. But during COVID, we had a lot of downtime. Yeah. So I had the time to do that, not so much anymore. Uh, so I would think, okay. Um, you know what would be cool is something Diablo-esque. And so I thought, okay, I've got some uh, classical guitars over here. Um, I'll try and do that. And they didn't really come out sounding Diablo-esque, but they, I guess they came out with my sound on it. And then I made more and more and more. And now I have a library of, I don't know, 50 or 60 uh, bits of score just that I've made sort of on the weekend. It's like doing a crossword to, to make one of these little scores because there's nothing to it. You make a chord progression, you record it, layer in something else and then maybe do like a little improvised soloing on it. Uh, but that's just like a fun evening. It's not work at all, like in any way. And then it's royalty free and it's yours, which is fantastic. And, then, and it's mine. Actually, I put it out. I put some stuff up on YouTube, just like, Hey, if anybody wants to use this stuff, I've used other people's stuff. The least I can do is give this back. And so I think I put, I don't know, eight or nine songs, not songs scores yeah. out on youtube just looped and it's like you know if anybody wants them just have them that's awesome that's amazing um so guys i think we're gonna take a little quick break here for a second uh we come back we are going to talk to john about his game that he's also developed it's very exciting and uh, is that cool jim oh yeah excellent fantasy factoid in honor of our guest today, the Manticore, the Dungeon Dragons monster, has 24 tail spikes. All right, everybody, and we are back, and we are here today with Jim, as always, Ooh. and our special guest, John. And uh, yeah, here we go. And in uh, the first half, um, we talked a lot about John's awesome podcast world. But we're going to take a little sidestep for a minute, and we're going to talk a little bit about a game that John has put together. Uh, I'll be honest, I have not played it. I know Jim has quite a bit. He loves it. And uh, we might even 
throw some of the game out there in a few minutes and try that out, see how it goes. But anyways, um, John, Jim, why don't you guys talk a little bit about what the game is about? Hey, Jim, I've talked my face off. Do you want to introduce this for me? <laughs> ah, yeah, sure. One shot in the dark. It's uh, just like an ultra light RPG kind of rules, like D&D light. It's perfect to get people into D&D. I got a lot of buddies who are getting it for like to get their kids into it and stuff, or maybe wives that haven't wanted to, <laughs> haven't taken the jump yet. And yeah, it's just, it's real easy. You just draw the map as you go. Yeah, there's nothing to it. It's uh, it's like the most basic game of D&D that uh, I could imagine. And it's it's meant for solo play, but it doesn't have to be used for solo play. That sounds awesome. I'm very interested in this. Why, John? Why, why, where did this come from? Why, why was the idea to come up with this? So, that is a good question. Um, have you ever heard of a game called The Quiet Year? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So no. <laughs> um, the, the Quiet Year, I'll, I'll give you the uh, very the Reader's Digest version of The Quiet Year. The Quiet Year is a post-apocalyptic game, not not for one person, for a table full of people. And um, the mechanic of the game is basically you pick a card, and the card is going to say either this happens or that happens. Describe it. That's basically the game. And as you talk about this post-apocalyptic story, drawing cards and answering questions and building the story... You draw a map, free, free form, freehand. Um, and so there's no graph paper or grid lines or the dimensions, or you just draw, oh, here's a mountain, okay, here's a, there's a river over here, there's a forest here. And then you pick a card, and it'll say, somebody important comes to your settlement. Who are they, and what news do they bring? And then you make a story, and it builds up like that. And when I heard about this game, and after I played it a few times, I thought, this thing is absolutely revolutionary this is genius Mm -hmm. it's amazing i even started playing it in my classes i played it in a philosophy class because it raises a bunch of like difficult ethical questions and i started playing it in an art class and in an english class and all of my (laughs) now it's like now it's my thing is that at the end of the term we play the quiet year anyway i had this game the quiet year in my head think about how amazing it was i thought what if there was like a DD game that was the quiet year and so that was just an idea, but then it wouldn't leave my head. And then it kind of started to really um, crystallize into like something that could be not a ripoff of The Quiet Year, because I certainly don't want to do that, but something inspired by The Quiet Year. And, and so that's kind of where the, the idea for this game came from. I, I took the idea of a freeform map, because I think a lot of solo dungeon crawls would be like you'd pick uh, tiles and and make this random map out of a bunch of tiles that like, oh, here's a T intersection, here's a whatever. And it didn't really work well because uh, you would get dead ends and stuff like that. And so I thought, okay, we'll do a freeform map and I'll use cards to determine whatever the content of the room or space is. And that's it. The rest of it is just the simplest version of really basic D&D that I could think of. So, um, you know, you play it, if it's solo, you play all four characters, fighter, cleric, magic user, and thief. We, we all know them. Uh, or you can play in a group and go, you have two, I'll, do, I'll have two, or you can play with four people. I've even seen it played with a DM, which is a bit weird, but totally works somehow. Uh, and, uh, and then you just start with a blank piece of paper and a pencil and you draw a card and it says, okay, you're, you're in a cavern. And so you draw a cavern. It says there's two exits. Okay. You draw two exits. Uh, what's in that cavern? Pick a card. Um, there's a monster in here, there's treasure in here. And, and so really it's very much a dungeon crawl. 
Uh, and then when you when you pick the ace, that means you find the stairway to the next level. And then you move on three levels. There's a boss at the end, and the whole thing can be done in the time it takes to watch a movie. And so one of my goals was to make a one-shot that actually could be done in one shot, because I know that that's a real common problem with one-shots, is that they become a two-shot or a three-shot, or they become a one-shot, but you have to pull the middle out of it to get to the end. And, and so I want to do something that really could be one player, one evening, no learning curve, just a just a snack. It's like it's there's no depth to it at all, really. It's just a snack of a game, and, and maybe that's why it's kind of worked out as a way to bring uh, kids and and new players into the game because there's nothing to it. If we play a round or two, you'll see what I mean. Yeah, I hope we get to Jim. What's your take on it? I know you you I, I know you like it, but why don't you tell yeah. us what your side of it? Yeah, that um, what you're saying about that though, like no depth, but. There's as much depth as you just want to put into it. Like sometimes, like we'll like name our characters. We say what mm-hmm. our weapons are, what they look like. We'll really describe the rooms, draw it out, you know. Or sometimes it's just a quick like, whatever. I'm warrior number one. It doesn't matter, yeah. you know. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I just want to say too. Yeah, the quiet. I love the quiet year. Ah, brilliant. Just brilliant, scratches brilliant, all brilliant. the all the DM little itches in your brain, you know. And I'd never seen anything like it. I don't know if. No. The people that made that game are the first to do that, but whoa, it just blew my mind when I when I learned about this game and tried it. I've never played anything like this. Like it works so well. Uh, John, what was the um, kind of the rough timeline for you from kind of saying, "Hey, this is a cool idea for a game," to turning it into a game? What what how, like kind of what's your process? What was the timeline on that? So, so I'm a high school teacher, so I'm working stiff like like most folks and so i was doing it all weekends and evenings and and doing the show as well and the show is actually time in, intensive it takes a lot of time to do that so i was having to grab an hour here and an hour there yeah i think from from the moment i started to kind of type up the rule set and it's brief let me let me see the rule set is um 16 pages including a few pages of example play so really it's quite a lot less than that the actual rules themselves are and to are, everyone listening out there as I john is just, as john is looking at this he, he's actually doing like a minority report he's pulling files out of the air this is incredible i wish you guys could see this it's it's fantastic sorry john how many pages sorry for this that? is an audio medium and i'm <laughs> so the actual rule set only five pages wow. uh, so from the time it came for me to like think it up um you're gonna edit this and make it feel like uh, really fast right boom 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 uh anyway uh from the time I thought of it and put and started to to hit keys to the time that it was done and had actually been play tested because you got to give if you can get some volunteers to play test it you need to give them like a month to do that yeah. probably probably three or four months wow, I would that say is awesome. that wow. is awesome yeah. but but I mean like hour here hour there it wasn't yep. you know yep totally and and what is the overall uh, take on it been how how has it been received you know we just went uh, it just earned Electrum uh, status. Like, uh, you know, the, our drive-through RPG has these medals. Yep. So uh, it just it just reached Electrum, which is really thrilling. It, I Again, this is one of those things where I thought, you know, <laughs> if 50 copies are sold, yeah. that's kind of awesome. I'd be, I would be happy with that. And if 100 copies are so, sold, I'd be thrilled. So this has gone, like, beyond my expectations. And uh, 
Well, yeah, I couldn't be happier with it. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> and, and, and when people send me like photos and stuff of them playing with their kids or whatever, that it's hard to describe that. That's a very cool feeling. I got to say. Well, oh, yeah. As a maker in any medium, when you put something out into the world and you, you can relate to this, I know. Yeah. Mm. And people respond to it and people, and if people take it and do stuff to it that you never even thought about, like that's fantastic. And, and so I, I, I totally hear you. And I think that's, you know, congratulations. That's fantastic. I'm sure you can directly relate because you make stuff that it ends up in people's home games. And I know they send you pictures of that stuff. And that's a, that's a special kind of thrill, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, and kind of like a privilege in a way too. It is. To be a part of somebody else's gaming life. It's kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, certainly not where I thought I'd be in my life right now. So I'm super, very, very happy with that and, and very blessed. Um, did you feel that there was a void uh, that where the game would fit into? Did you know what I mean? Like, did you feel like there was a, 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 a need for it? Um, I don't know about a need, but a space. Um, okay. So I had no idea if there was a need for it uh, because there are so many games out there. Like the the gaming is in this golden age right now and it feels like there are way, 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 way more games than anybody could possibly play. And so I thought at the, at the very least, let me make something that, isn't out there and so that's why i wanted to make a one shot that was actually a one shot because i felt like that kind of didn't exist too much yeah and then uh also make something that really was like l-i-t-e snack sized light uh because i felt like that wasn't there either now maybe that is out there and i know that there are a few things that are not totally different from what i've got um but, but i guess when i made this i wasn't aware of any of them but i still think it's probably just a handful yeah anyway it it's it's found a, a little home and and so that's kind of delightful and um but i guess i wasn't thinking it through too much uh, i've just put out something else and i think i was giving it more thought that time because now i'm sensitive like i don't want to don't want to put stuff out for the sake of putting stuff out uh, it's gotta well as you put it it's gotta kind of fill a need out there well, I got to say that there was a need for that one shot in the dark. And that's what we do now. Um, it's perfect for when D&D night gets canceled last minute. Because uh-huh. you yeah. can still play D&D. There's no prep. You can still, it's still D&D, you know, it's, I don't know. That's, it's our that's go-to right. now. Anytime it's canceled, oh. just, all right, grab one shot in the dark. <laughs> that's a really good it's idea, cool. Jim. I never thought of that because I know a lot of times when we're playing, if one person can't make it, we will sometimes proceed without them, but I don't like to do that. I like to have everybody, you know, at the table. And so that's a great thing. If something like that happens and usually find out like the morning of on the day, uh, that'd be great to say, Hey, come on by. That's what we're going to do. So, uh, yeah, I hope everyone out there has pen and paper and is like frantically scribbling down all these like nuggets that John is giving us. Uh, I know there's a lot of things he said, uh, today that were new to me and I'm very excited to explore. So, uh, John, thank you. This has been fantastic. Um, Jim, how many times do you think you've played that game so far, One Shot in the Dark? Dozen. Wow. Because you had um, you had uh, Chubbs and Mike over a little while ago and played, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just, all, all my nerdy friends now, I'm like, all right, we got to play this. What's the success <laughs> rate? Just, you know, as a creator, I'm curious to know, um, is it, uh, do you win all the time? Do you win some of the time? Yeah, we've won every time so far, but we've... It's all D and D nerds, right? We know what spells to take. We know <laughs> we know when to save the skip monster battles for. Right. We right, we right. save we save certain spells for the end. <laughs> yeah, so you cheat is what you're saying. 
maybe metagame a little. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, I had a question as well about this, John. So it's available um, on drive-thru. Are any thoughts of taking it beyond that? Or is that somewhere where you think that's just going to reside? Or like, do you know what I mean? Like, is it thoughts of taking it up to a next level type of thing? Or I think it'll stay there. And yeah. um, because I'm, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to make a, a, a livelihood out of it. I mean, if it took off like that, awesome. But um, I've priced it at just, just over free, kind of. Right. Uh, and that was that was on purpose because my podcast it's not there to make make money. That's not uh, a goal. Uh, and my and whatever supplements I put out, it's not there to make money. Also, not a goal. Uh, but I also didn't want to put them necessarily for free because I think sometimes that when a product is free, people think of it differently. Yeah, like, I agree. Oh, it's, it's disposable. I've I've got stuff like I've got PDFs in my folder that I've got them for free, and I can't help it. I kind of think of them as less. But if you just pay ninety nine cents, or I I think uh, it's a buck fifty. This one's a buck fifty. Then at least maybe you look at it. That so so that's why I kind of set the price very deliberately as like very cheap but not free. Yeah. Um, and and I think it'll stay there. And I think. Somebody had asked me, "Am I going to release um, like a, a module for it?" Because it kind of almost begs for that kind of thing, and uh, I think I would do it. I kind of have to know enough people will play it. So I think if it hits gold, I'll release a module. I think that's, that's really kind cool. of kind of where we're at. All right, I'll keep pushing it. Yeah, just <laughs> buy a couple hundred copies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm really happy to hear that. Um, our silly little podcast here was completely put together for some idiots having fun just talking. Uh, this is not a money-making venture, uh, thank goodness. And um, I so look forward to this. The, these days when Jim and I get to do this, it's like you take all of that burden of life away and just get to have fun. So I'm so happy to hear you say that though these different you know adventures that you're involved in are not about the money making side because then you can leave that behind and you just get to have fun and it doesn't matter right like it's just a fun yeah. thing then it's the love of the game and you guys know that more than anyone because i can tell from your podcast that you guys have that you just love the game and and i'm just like you guys i just love the game and i, I want to be a part of that community and i want to put out something that's of quality and um you know if uh if there's some conversation about D and D going on and something that I made is part of that conversation. That's all I want out of life. Now I just want to be part, <laughs> right. Yeah. I just, I just love the game and want to be a part of the scene. That's, yeah. that's really it. That's it. That's cool. John, you said there was something else that you have uh, out as well right now. What, what is your other um, adventure? Just, I just put out a couple of things. So one of them, uh, is like a reference for the show. And I did put that at free because it would just be too somehow self-congratulatory to put a price tag on it. So there's a reference <laughs> called Encyclopedia Manticorica out there that that's for free. Um, if anybody's listening and they want to go and, and get it, just go and get it. Um, it, it's, it says pay what you want, but if somebody wants it for free, take it for free, please. It would be my honor if you would have it. Uh, the other thing I put out is is actually also kind of inspired by the quiet year. You can tell I'm a little bit obsessed, and <laughs> it's um it's a world building tool, but but it doesn't build a world. It builds a single settlement uh, over a 500 year history, and and that actually came that was born out of an actual need um, during season one of Manticore. 
um, I was making everything up on the fly, like all the lore, including geographic locations and stuff. And it got a little, like there were a lot of balls in the air to juggle. And I was sort of worried, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes here and continuity errors. And that's something I would, I would prefer to avoid, but I was, I was in it in season one. And so for season one, I just kind of tried to proceed very, very carefully when I was adding things, especially after I got to a sort of a certain level of, of density of lore. Anyway, for season two, I tried to correct some of the mistakes that I'd made in season one. And so one of them was that I wanted to have a framework, still work things out on the fly, because I think there's a lot of value to that, but just have a skeleton to hang stuff off uh, in terms of the lore. And so I made this this world building generator um, for myself to use, actually. And uh, and I think I gave it to a few people and sort of we talked about it. Maybe we should put this out. Okay. And so I, I collected a, a ton of, um, not really play testers because it's not a game, but testers, beta testers. And uh, this one I spent a lot more time on, actually. Um, maybe, maybe it took nine months from conception to release. And uh, but it's out there now. It's it's um, it's a coin flipping uh, generator, very similar to um, the Quiet Year, in which you'll get a prompt that will say something like, um, "Your settlement was um, taken through peaceful or violent means. What happened?" And then that's you know you kind of build it. Okay, year one to five or year one to seven. Um, that's that's what happens here. Oh, okay. There's we're a conquering nation, or oh, we've just discovered a resource, something like that. And then you build it up over time, and you you track the leadership and some of the dramas, and there's space to kind of have mysteries in there. Uh, and yeah, I, I built it for my own show, and and kind of realized, oh, actually, this might be useful for other um, DMs, so I should put it up. So yeah, yeah. And what does it go? What is the name of it, John? And where can people find that's, it? It's called Pendulum, and that's on Drive Through RPG. And that again, it's it's cheap, like the other one, at uh, ninety nine cents. And I think you've taken a look at it, haven't you, Jim? Yeah, I downloaded it right after that Pendulum episode. Yeah, that that's going to be awesome for my next homebrew. That's another one that's nice to have. Um, for let's say your D and D game kind of goes for three hours, and then the the DM says, "So that's kind of as far as I've planned." Uh, so we could keep going, but I'm going to be making it up, or we could spend an hour doing this other thing and generate a history together for the world that we're exploring. So actually, that's what I have been doing with my own table group now, is that you know if if we run to the end of prepared materials, uh, I'll say, like, do you guys want to just kind of go sandbox, or do you want to do this pendulum thing instead? And we, we've done a bit of both. It's kind of worked out as a nice thing to have in your back pocket. Well, there you go. All even, of you. Sorry, go ahead, Jim. I was just going to say, even for like someone who wants to like write a novel or something, yeah. like you could honestly any storytelling, yeah. you could use it. No, that's incredible. I think it would work really well for like um, the the setting for a story, and it, I think it doesn't even have to be fantasy. It's made for fantasy, but I think it could be pretty easily tweaked to do another genre. No, that's fantastic. I'm definitely going to take a look. Um, we are going to. Um, take a small break away from what we've been chatting about. And now we're going to pepper poor John with a bunch of questions, uh, random questions from all over. Uh, maybe they were actually random. Maybe they've been created by Pendulum. Who knows? I don't know. But um, let's go and uh, have a look. Jim, why don't you start it off? You had a question for John. John, what's your favorite D&D monster? 
My favorite D and D monster is. You say Manticore, I'm going to slap you. It's not a Manticore. I can't. I literally, I really can't use a Manticore now. Are you kidding? But this this guy right here, it's a Beholder. I have never used one in a game, but I really, really want to. And so, nice. um, could that show up sometime in my show? I oh. hope so. Ooh. I hope so. Certainly broke, not there yet. I, I broke a rule once in an arc, previous campaign. I had two beholders in one room, but they didn't know. Was, they only saw the one. There was one hiding in the shadows. That was fun. Jim, how do you feel about beholders? Be honest. Come on, you don't uh, like them, do you? They're all right. They're all right. <laughs> He's over them. <laughs> they're, they're meh. They're, yeah, they're a meh. They're uh, John, meh. I wanted to uh, tie back to something you said earlier. Um, a few years ago, uh, my adult son and I got to go and uh, help at a out-of-school carer. So we had like preteens, early teen kids, and we were running D&D campaigns for them. Kind of yeah. like herding cats, you know, complete insanity. Sure. Um, but I was so excited that we were able to do that and, and that the people there were so excited for us to do it because they, they recognized the value of Dungeons & Dragons with young minds, creativity, sharing, world building, like everything, maths, everything comes with it. You as a teacher, I'd love to hear your kind of take on that. Yeah, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but I'm pretty sure that D&D is why I'm an English teacher. Um, whether that's a good thing or not is up for debate. <laughs> but um, it, when I was a kid, I was not a big reader, but when I discovered D&D and had my mind absolutely blown by everything I loved in like one 65-page booklet, um, I started reading a lot, and I started, my vocabulary just went through the roof, uh, and I never stopped reading. Part of that was kind of on the sly, like I was reading fantasy novels, but I wasn't really, like they were kind of hidden, <laughs> again, closet nerd, right? Uh, and... Because of because of the reading, I became like good at English, and because I became good at English, if, eventually it took a few careers, but eventually I got into becoming an English teacher. That's incredible. And so, and so yeah, I think that any parent would would, and just to share like the best game ever made, um, would be doing their kids a huge favor to at least introduce them to the game. They you know kids may or may not like it, yeah, um, but some of them are going to like it a lot. I get a huge chuckle to myself to think now where, and I lived through the satanic panic when I played, mm -hmm. um, to think mm -hmm. of, you know, where you couldn't even mention it to now it can actually be played in schools is just so amazing to me, like that transition. It's come a long way. It's come yeah, a long yeah. way. I guess we have a few things to thank for that, right? Stranger Things is probably one of the big one of ones. The biggest, yep, yeah. yep. Community. Uh, what do you got, Jim? All right. Um, John, if you could pick any celebrity dead or alive to DM for you, who would it be? Oh, that's tough. Any celebrity, dead or alive? My go-to is always Jim Henson for that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I would love to try playing with... Let's see, I don't want to waste this. <laughs> no, I only get one genie lamp... Uh, one go at the genie lamp here. Uh, let's go with... All right, I got one. Um, Philip Rothfuss. Okay, I'm sorry, my mind's drawing a blank. He's he's a, a author right now that um, it. Oh, what's his series called? I loved his series. I can't remember the name. That's pretty great. He's again pulling things out of thin air. It's yep. amazing how it lights up. And he wow, just, whoa, that's incredible. My my uh, internet is a little slow. It's messing with me. He's got an amazing beard. 
Of course. Name, the name of the wind. There we go. The name. English. I knew it was something. The wind. <laughs> there you um, go. Name of the wind, and that's that was like a really good uh, book written. Fairly, actually, it's 2007. I thought it was more recent than that, but that's a fairly recent book that I think gets it right. Oh, now I real I knew as soon as I let that genie out, I was going to regret it because now, as much as I love um, <laughs> Rothfuss, oh, it's Patrick Rothfuss. That's how much. That's how good I am. I said Philip Rothfuss. Patrick Rothfuss is as good as he is. He's Jack Vance. I know. Yeah. Sorry, Patrick. Um, Jack Vance. How did I miss that one? I want Jack Vance to be my DM, but uh, I've I've got Patrick here, and he's yeah. ready to go. The genie's delivered him. He's wearing a tuxedo. He's got a bag of dice. So I guess Patrick, hang on. We're we're gonna we're gonna get down to gaming in a minute. That's awesome. My go-to yeah. has always been like a dual DM thing, and I obviously have Mr. Tolkien on one side and Robin Williams oh. on the other. And oh I thought my. if you could blend those two together, like that would be an insane game. <laughs> it's like it's like having a bag of cocaine in one hand and a bottle of whiskey in the other. You really got to be careful with the balance. It gets all frothy. Um, uh, John, in your current table game, which version of D and D are you playing? Amazingly, it's basic. Um, cool. And again, I don't have any special weird love for basic. Um, it's because I've uh, I, I had recent. I've got two table games going, and one of them is a five E game because I wanted to. Learn it. Yeah. Um, there's all this controversy over it, and I felt like, well, I can't have an opinion until I've at least played it. Uh, and uh, my second table game is the one that I'm DMing, and so I wasn't comfortable DMing 5e, but right. I'm very comfortable DMing basic. It's kind of in my DNA now. Uh, so um, that's my table game is basic slash OSE. Yep. Same thing, right? Yep. Uh, and then as a player, I'm at a table where we play 5e. How are you how are you finding Five E? What are your thoughts? Be, be this, honest. This, this is a safe room. This is a yeah, safe. Be room. honest. This is a safe place. You can say whatever you want. Uh, I've already got I've already got uh, all of the Patrick Rothfuss fans hating me because I call them <laughs> Philip. Um, I'm not getting Five E quite quite okay. yet. It's for me. It feels like a superhero game that's that's wearing a fantasy costume, and it's not. It's not what I'm here for. Um, it's just not working out right. Um, I'm still trying it because I want to at least know the rules, play a game where I know the rules. Because right now I'm looking everything up. Yeah. Man, there's a lot to look up. But but that's not unique to that game. AD&D also had a ton of rules to look up. It's just because I haven't put in my 10,000 hours yet with 5e. I've been playing it for about six months. I thought it was going to be easy to... I thought it was the easy to pick up game maybe there's quite a lot of unlearning to do because a lot of it feels unintuitive to me and I'm constantly looking stuff up and figuring out how things go and I find that at the table yeah. it's like 90% rules talk and like meta talk and and 10% in the world like it, move, it moves very slowly I don't know over a three hour game like a combat happens or we investigate three rooms it, it's feels slow 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 but i don't know i don't know if that's a 5e thing or a my players thing or a me thing did you play uh three or three five edition i i was absent yes i was wondering that's cool because yeah. that is extremely crunchy as we yeah. describe it right like and we played that for yeah. years and years and years 
I was also foolish and played Rollmaster, um, Iron uh-huh. Crown Rollmaster, the Middle Earth yeah. one. And your character sheet was seven pages long. You had 200 different skills. You could It was like insane. So playing that kind of crazy level, what I found for 5e is actually it has simplified because it's gone on a, 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 a lot of the stuff got slid away. Um, the, the biggest thing for me, and I think the, and I'm not a big 5e fan, but the biggest thing for me is the whole, and Jim and I have talked about this, advantage, disadvantage to break down. I, I stole it, that for for basic. It, it's the best thing in the world to take away from, right. oh, you're at minus two and you're at plus one and you're, the, it's just advantage, disadvantage. Yep. And as a DM, it's open doors for me because I'm a storytelling DM. I'm not mm-hmm. a... We have a guy in our group, Dr. Rules, um, and if there's an issue with the rule, I point at him and he explains what the rule is. I don't care. I'm about the story, the progression, and make it happen and everyone enjoy themselves, not get hung up on the minor silly details of a rule. That's yeah, not fun. I, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm more of a story guy. And if I don't know a rule, I'll just make it up and figure right? it out later. And like, if I got it wrong, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll make it up somehow. Yeah. Um, but and, and you know you give the characters the benefit of the doubt or whatever. But for me, the nothing kills a game more than like oh just wait a second let me get my four hundred page book. Oh where is it? Oh my gosh the font what is this eight point font and like uh, <laughs> I I can't really see because of the fluorescent lights in here. Yeah no no we we try and avoid that as much as we can on ours and it's just not worth it. You want to have fun. It's all about fun. Jim, yeah. what's your next question? I was gonna say too 5e characters are really hard to kill so yeah of course yeah that's you know that goes against that kind of takes away yeah that goes kind of goes against <laughs> i feel that there has to be there has to be stakes if there's yeah. if i feel like my character can't die i kind of find i don't care that's true yeah. yeah i think you're right uh john do you think it's easier to run pre-written modules or homebrew actually i've not run a pre-written module since i was about 15 years old so I don't know, uh, but I can say this for me anyway, like I, un- I totally understand why people would want to run a pre-written module. I mean, we don't have a lot of time as adults, right? Um, but for me, part of the fun is to make the world and to make the adventure and to make the story and to, to not kind of know how it's supposed to end and stuff like that. And so for me, absolutely DIY everything. Everything, DIY. But that's just that's just a preference. I, I I get why people would want to play Ravenloft or you know especially especially the classics. I totally get that. Yeah, completely. Um, John, what is your thoughts on alignment? Um, in more traditional times now, alignment to me seems to be out the window. And nobody really pays any attention to it. Uh, what is your thoughts on alignment? I think it would be chaotic evil for a podcaster to leave in all of my awkwardness about Patrick Rothfuss. That's my first thing to say about that. <laughs> and, a, and a lawful good podcaster would cut it out and be kind. Uh, but <laughs> uh, Okay, but my real answer is I have no use for it whatsoever. You can put it in the bin. I, I don't use it. I just don't use it. Characters are characters. Yeah. I, I, I can't find a use for it, actually. Oh, that's really interesting. Except maybe like a detect evil spell, but then I can make that call easily on the fly. So yeah, in terms and especially in terms of like your character can't do that, there that just doesn't exist at my table. That's really interesting. We, um, I was more strong with it, like because it was a big thing, obviously in the old days. It was yeah. very tied to your character, right? Yeah, prohibitive um, and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I did have a player in my first, uh, sorry, last campaign 
who was a cleric and um, through a number of his choices was very much going against what his alignment would have been. So he got to become a fallen cleric, which was really fun. And I actually was, I'm so nerdy, was mapping, you know, everyone's yeah. alignment through the thing by yeah. choices they made. Uh, so I do find some kind of fun in that. I know I've become a lot looser with it um, now. I think you talked about to... that on your show, didn't you? We did, yeah. And it was so cool yeah, to see yeah, that happen. That. Yeah, but you don't, you, don't need a, you don't need the alignment to have no. that story happen. No. Right? That story can happen just because you as the DM have noticed that they're not doing things that are aligned with yep. your deity or deity or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you don't need to have the thing on that says like, my personality is a bubbly and spendthrift. And then now I have to act that way all the time because it says so on my sheet. I don't know. People, people are complex. Sometimes we're good. Sometimes we're bad. Sometimes we're both. Mm-hmm. No, it's completely true. That's a great point. Jim, next question. Um, John, is there a storyline you wanted to explore in season one of Manticore that the dice won't let you explore that you brought back later in the season? Mm, There's a two-parter. Uh, so, yes, absolutely. There is a, a storyline that I wanted to explore but didn't. And without without spoiling, so I think I might only be able to half answer this question, but I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, there is the first villain that you meet in season one kind of go, goes away. He, this happens if you're doing procedural storytelling, is that you might come up with an NPC and they might just kind of get written out of the story by random dice results. And so this did happen in season one. Uh, there was the very first villain of the story kind of just goes away and the story just goes elsewhere the same way a party can go to your well-crafted dungeon and say you know what i think we're going to go over there instead and not go into the dungeon that can kind of happen in a game like mine as well uh and so i would i was thinking would it be cool to bring that character back in season two it's possible it's the same universe it's the same world the geography works even the timeline makes it possible and then i thought but is that super cheesy to do that? I don't know. And and so I kind of left it as if the dice say this kind of thing is going to happen, then I'll, then I'll bring back that villain, but I won't force it. And so that's kind of where I'm at with it now. It's like, I'm open, I'm open to bringing back and developing these abandoned storylines, but I won't, I'm not going to force it either. Awesome. It's really cool. Uh, all right, gang. Um, I think we're going to kind of wrap up our kind of major part of the show right now. Unless there's anything you wanted to mention, John, before we kind of fade off into our next part. No, I'm, I'm talking my face off again. That's okay. We <laughs> like it. It's good. It's good. Uh, all right, gang, we're going to, uh, head over. Uh, please stick around. We are going to have a little fun and play John's one shot in the dark. Are you looking for a D and D podcast for the dark side? Something more like Game of Thrones and less like Monty Python? Tale of the Manticore is part dark fantasy audio drama, part solo D&D RPG. There's no plot armor here. The dice make all the important decisions. Join me as I resurrect the excitement, wonder, and emotion of old school D&D. Made for a mature audience, Tale of the Manticore is both a fiction and a game. It's the story where chaos rolls. Hey everybody, we are back and we are so excited today for our special guest, John, who's just been a wealth of knowledge. Like I said earlier, I hope everyone's writing down everything that he's telling us because there's lots going on. Uh, I'm excited because Jim, why don't you tell everyone what we're going to do right now? 
We're going to play some One Shot in the Dark. We'll play a level of it. So uh, first of all, we got to figure out um, what we're going to be. Cool. We'll let John pick first since he's the guest. Okay. Um, let's see. There's there's three of us, and there's four characters to play. So um, we could do it one of a couple of ways. Either I could sort of uh, DM it. You guys can play two characters each. Or... Uh, one of you guys can do two, and then uh, the others will take one. Uh, I'm ha- I'm happy to do it that way if you like, and we'll and we'll go GMless, which is I, maybe I want, in the spirit of the game. I want John to play. Okay, yeah, let's oh, let's yeah. go GMless. Uh, I will play the thief, and my thief's name will be Patrick Rothfuss. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean. So you else. Go. Uh, wizard, cleric, or um, warrior. Oh, I, I am going to be the cleric. Pardue, the cleric. Pardue. All right. And we did this really good setup. So Sean doesn't know any of the spells or what he can pick from. I can, uh, I'll send you a screenshot. Cool, man. The magic of editing. This is all going to be. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Uh, it's going to, yeah. it's going to flow like water. John's, <laughs> John's used to that with me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think everybody in the party should have a name that begins with P at this point. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Ardu, Patrick. And I will be Peter the Warrior. Peter. I'm a farm boy, and my weapon is a scythe. Nice. Then why don't we just share the wizard? Just all be that. Yeah. Or he can be like an NPC kind of kind of guy. And what what's a good wizard name that starts with P? Mm. A good wizard name. <laughs> I can think of lots of bad wizard names. <laughs> what's a what's a bad wizard name that starts with P? Um, nope, can't even think of those. Presto. Oh, Presto. Presto is a classic, right? And it, it's not just the name Presto; it's actually the character from the cartoon. Was yeah. it? Was that his name? Was that I his? Think so wasn't it? Whew. You know what? Funny. When I was a kid, I loved that cartoon to death. Yeah. I would get up early just to watch it, but it was not good, was it? <laughs> did uh, did Pardue ring any bells for anybody? Pardue should, shouldn't it? it? It's kind of, it's it's a bizarre one. I don't know if anyone would get it. The um, silly Tom Hanks, Mazes and Monsters, that was his character, Pardue in Mazes and Whoa. Monsters. Whoa. Yeah. Cut. There, cut. Deep, deep, deep cut. <laughs> I named my character after Patrick Rothfuss, who you may or may not know is um, one of the best living uh, fantasy authors. Yes. If you keep bringing up his name, it's going to be really hard to edit all these out. (laughs) 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 Oh, no. Okay. It's pretty shiny. People think I'm very foul mouthed. (laughs) Okay. What do I need to do, Jim? Uh, Pick a spell from that list I sent you. Just one? Oof. Okay, I'm just going to be a traditional. I'm going to pick heal. Great. You always go heal heal first. We need a spell for Presto. Jim, do you want to pick a spell for Presto, or should I roll it at random? I'll roll it at random, of course. Let's do it. I'm going to roll. uh, I've got a four. I've got Thrall, which is basically Charm Person. Okay. Perfect. Then we roll up a hit die. So, Sean, that'll be a D6 for you. Ooh, five. You're playing on hard mode. Actually, I think I think it says in the rules you can just take max hit points at level one. Probably need them. 
<laughs> you sure you know the rules? <laughs> <laughs> there might be something in there about playing on hardcore mode. I can't remember if we had, we end up leaving that in or not. So let's see. Um, Purdue, you've got six hit points, uh, you, unless sir. of course you unless of course you want to go hardcore mode. Nope. And then Peter's going to have four. Oh, Peter's going to have eight. Sorry, I Peter eight, is yeah. the scythe wheeling. Yeah, uh, and Patrick's got four, and Presto's got four. All okay. right, then we're ready to go into the cavern. I will draw a card, ten of hearts. So first thing we run into is a trap. Nuts. The thief is alive, saved to disarm the trap. Okay, so uh, I guess on the map, uh, we can all make our own map, actually. Even if they don't look the same, it doesn't actually make a difference in the end because they'll have the kind of the same information that we need. So I've just drawn like a stairs into a cavern. And right away there's a trap, and I'm going to make a saving throw. A saving throw in one shot of the dark is basically a high-low. You just roll a 20-sided die and an 11 or better. Make it. My roll. Do it. I've got a one, which is a strong start. So a pendulum say. axe comes down and hits you, or hits one of us for 1d4 damage. It's a pendulum axe. Who wants, who wants to roll damage? Should I do it since I caused it? Yeah. Okay. got three damage. Who wants to take three damage? So this part of the mechanic of the game is that damage is distributed however we like, except we can't say you take one, I'll take one, you take one. Somebody yeah. has to take three points. The, the cleric will take three. Wow, that's very generous of you, um, Purdue. I'm a holy man. Right now. All right, Jim. I'll draw a card for Sean. So you get nine of hearts. Yes. Creature sleeping quarters, two exit. Uh-huh. Draw two exits here. And it says, if your thief is alive, save to sneak through. On a fail, draw okay. a monster card. All right, redemption. All right, here we go. Doing the same thing. I'm rolling a 20-sided die, high-low. And I've got a 10, so that's fail. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. We're, sleeping, uh, we're sneaking through, um, trying not to wake up these uh, creatures, whatever they are. And uh-oh, it's like stepped on a rock. As always. All right, can rocks. I draw? Who left this rock here? <laughs> <laughs> Drew a six, and that's two cultists at six HP each, and they do uh, D6 damage. Okay. So combat works thusly. Uh, like everything else, it's super easy. Uh, initiative. Characters always win initiative, so we just always go first. Uh, and then you roll your hit die as your attack die, and you're looking to get a four. So a thief or a wizard who has a, like a D4 hit die, they're not going to hit very often. They need to actually get the four. The cleric needs to get a four, five, or six on a d6. And then the fighter who's good at it has a 50-50 shot with his d8. Okay. So we can all just roll. So if I'm playing alone, um, I'll just get a handful of dice, roll them all at once. That's cool. There's no order to this. Uh, okay, I've missed. I hit. I hit. With a five. Do you, again, you just use your... Um, your damage or your hit die as your damage die as well. That just kind of gets used for everything. Yeah. Ooh, five points of damage to one of the cultists, Jim. Wow. Nice hit for Purdue. Oh, do you think we should take out one of the cultists or, or spread it around? Let's take one of them out. I don't think that Peter, the farmer, I mean, warrior, really knows what he's doing quite yet. 
right, we got one down, one to go, and Presto still gets to do his thing. Come on, Presto. So got a four. <laughs> Presto for one point of damage. Okay, well, every little bit He's counts. Trying. That's the end of round. Uh, that's the end of our round, I should say. This okay. surviving cultist gets to attack back. So they've got a D6 as their attack die and damage die and all the rest. Yep. Anybody want to roll for our cultist? Yeah, I'll roll. You got a gem? Yeah. Rolled a two. Okay, that's a miss. And so we're yeah. on to round two of combat. Everybody gets to roll their die again. Four. I hit. Nice. Two points. Yeah. I'm going to hit the same two cultist points. and take him out. Nice. Oh, I think that that cultist, if my numbers are right, is standing. There's one standing with three points left. Is my yeah. math correct? Yeah. Okay. And I hit him for five damage. And now he's now he's down. Nice. Decapitated by a scythe. Bang. And that combat is over. Does it say so, anything uh, about loot? It does. It doesn't. Does it? Uh no, not that room. Bad. Too bad. Oh, there's two exits. Uh, we can say that there's one uh, to the north and one to the south. Okay. Uh, where, sh- where should we go? You want to roll the dice? The dice don't lie. As you like, or you can just pick. I'm going to roll. Four, five, six, it's north. South. Okay. One south. All right, I'll draw your card, John. Uh, three. Cave of bats. Three exits. Okay. We're going to draw our cave. We're going to draw three exits. Exits are always in addition to whatever way you came in. Here we go. And there's no combat in here uh, or anything really other than a bit of flavor. It's just thousands of bats. It says harmless Ow. little buggers in here. Harmless <laughs> little buggers. And so we're on to the next. You get, you get the idea that the game moves pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. I love it. We'll keep going north there or uh, south. South sounds good. So it is a beautiful, natural sanctuary. Two exits. Stay and rest. Each character regains one loss HP. Characters may choose to save this benefit for one time to use later instead. I'm going to take it. Okay. You get your hit point back, or one of them, and the rest of us are at full. This is a beautiful uh, little spring there. Nice water. I think Patrick's going to take all of his clothes off, making everyone really uncomfortable and splash around for a while. That sounds a little sketchy. Yeah, Peter is definitely uh, feeling a little awkward here. <laughs> Patrick was like, Peter, come on in. Water's great. Actually, the water's like an inch deep. Is Yeah, there's not, there's really. All right, Sean. Yes, sir. Oh, you just run into a T-junction tunnel. Okay. Uh, what direction did you want to go from the two exits out of the pool? So it's- East or west, right? Is the T intersection? Is am I am I right on that? Uh, however, you drew it. <laughs> yeah, that's how I drew it. I don't know. Uh, we're, we are going to go off to the west. Okay. So, just for you listeners out there, while we were playing, I have downloaded this game, and I, I didn't pay for it. I scammed it. I found an illegal way in. No, I paid for it. And uh, look at that. So you can literally play the game and download. A copy for yourself that easily so everybody please download a copy of this game um okay heading off to the west it says t junction tunnel did you hear something i I did did i hear something that's all it says yeah yeah i don't don't like that it was actually just me pulling my pants back up (laughs) (laughs) maybe it was those bats i still hear those bats fluttering thousands of bats
right, John. Uh, seven Hearts Treasure Room, one exit. Nice. So it's like a treasure room. Okay, how do we find uh, out what's in the room now? It says trapped chest. If your thief is alive, <laughs> save to disarm the trap. <laughs> All right. Wish me luck. Thief is working overtime. Lucky, lucky Patrick is my name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I made it. I got it with a 12. Okay. Awesome. So we get to draw a loot card. We get two. You get a potion of health. One character Handy. may add up to four HP to the current total when you use it. Unlike in D&D, you could actually go over max with that if you wanted to. Oh, I didn't know that one. Look at that. Jim learned something. Because, you oh, know, Jim know. read all the rules. Oh, we make, we make up so many rules and homebrew stuff. And Perfect. That's awesome. Perfect. All right, Sean. Yes. Five. Uh, creature lair dwelling. Two exits. Mm. Then we draw a monster card. Maybe this is what I heard. All right, let's see what it is. So I hope everybody out there is seeing like how quickly you can put stuff together. Like things are happening. There's no overhead. There's no thinking. Like just let it go and have fun. It's like an old video game. It's like yeah, it, a room with some monsters and some loot. That's kind of it. It reminded me actually, remember the old computer text games we played back in the 80s? It mm -hmm. really reminds me of that kind of feel. Uh, those had a huge impact on me. I got to say, oh, yeah. like Zork, or if you go to the way, way back, there was one called Eamon. They're so great, those games. Yeah, I I love that stuff. I can kind of feel it in this kind of stuff. What do you got, Jim? We encounter four giant spiders. That's not they good. Got, they got three HP each, and they do D4 damage. Okay. All right. All right, we can all make our attack. There's no um, order. There's no initiative, is there? Yeah. Hit. I hit. Me too. Cool. Mace. Right. Five damage. I kill one of the spiders. My mace crushes nice. it. Icky green goo pours out of it. Did two damage. I managed to chop off a leg or two there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Did you hit and or miss? I missed. Peter's scared what? of spiders. Yeah, okay. Wanna do you want to roll for Presto? Do you want to yeah. take Presto for this fight? Great. I uh, miss. Damn that guy. All right. Spider's turn. We should have spider's three, turn. three spiders three standing. Um, so why don't we each roll for one spider and uh, it's a d4 and on a four, that's a hit. And hit. that's on the floor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what was I talking about earlier? It's not a, ga it's not a game till there's a dice on the floor. <laughs> and it's roll. one of those d4s you know that I'm stepping on that later. I'll drop. Nuts. I got, oh, that's a hit. Yeah, Ooh. I hit too. I missed. Three points yeah. of damage. Uh, one point. Ouch. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it, but it, uh, I'm close to death, but that's okay, because I was before anyway, if you think about it. So can I heal or no? When you're in battle, could I heal or no? Yeah, spells are actually instantaneous, and they don't even take your attack turn. They just happen. Okay, so I see, corner of my eye, I see my uh, good friend over there get bitten by the spider, and I fear, because there could be poison involved. I'm going to cast my heal spell. Yay, and suddenly, I feel pretty good again. Woot woot. Peter took that one point of damage. He's screaming and trying to step on the spiders. <laughs> he's just flailing around. Round one, right. round two uh, begins, and we get to do our attacks. Miss. Miss. <laughs> awesome. Do you want to do for Presto? I mean, it's almost a foregone oh, yeah. conclusion, but... Oh, he hit! Okay. For one damage. Enough to take out one of these little buggers. Nice. Two spiders standing. 
Right, they get to take their shots. Why don't you guys make the rolls for the spiders? That's a two. It's a miss. That two. Sick. We're up. The round All right, three. let's clobber these guys. Missed. Hit yes. for right. two damage. Okay. <laughs> Peter finally hit, but it wasn't. It was with the uh, blunt end of his scythe. And presto? What's the word? Oh, hit again. Nice. Hey. He's on fire now for three damage. Oh, you can take out the healthy one, and there's only That's one it. left at one hit point. All right. Jim, you want to roll for that spider's attack on uh, us? Yeah. Miss. Nice. All right. This is going to be our final round. Let's let's hit. We all crowd around it. Got a hit. Ooh, it's a hit. <laughs> yeah, I hit, dude. <laughs> so, oh, man. We're going to all, all of the boots come down at the exact same time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, six damage. <laughs> Crushing. Right, this spider is pulped. Pulped. Awesome. That is and that. That's the room. All right. Was there a treasure in this room or am I? Nope. Wasn't it? Or was that last room? That was no, last that room. Was, Sorry. Uh, we got, we got the, yeah, we got the uh, potion, healing potion. Sorry. I got excited. I heard treasure. <laughs> then that was on Sean's turn, I think. So then we do four of hearts, slender twisting tunnel, one exit, suck in that gut and squeeze through. Hey. All righty. Oh, Ace of Hearts stairs to level two. There we go. And you start a new map and you start the dungeon level. And that's that. That's That's sick. That's a third of the game. I don't know how long that took, but it's about like, what, 15, 20 minutes? That's that's about right. Yeah. John, that's really awesome, I have to say. I got to say, as an, for the audio medium, it misses something because the map is kind of part of the fun. (laughs) But... It's right there. Can you see it? I'm holding it up. Can you see yeah. it? <laughs> Let me just describe it to everybody in detail. Starting in the far, top far corner, you will notice a light curve. Um, but yeah, even, even over even over the radio here, it's it yeah. still works pretty well. Uh, but yeah, it's it's I would say more fun if you have a scrap of paper in front of you and you can start doodling spiders on there and stuff like that. Yeah. That's part of the fun too. Well, I've thank heard you for playing. That was a lot of good. That was a lot of fun. That, well, no, thank you for playing with us. Yeah, um, thanks, I, John. And I know it can be hard as a maker to be involved in your own stuff sometimes, so I appreciate that. Um, but uh, yeah, I've heard Jim talk about it, and I know he's played it with others and stuff, so I was very excited to see what it was about. And uh, yeah, I could totally see this. I could really see this as well for people who haven't played D&D before and wanted to try it, and you could give them, like, let them dip their toes before they, you know, you throw them into the deep end type of thing. This is really cool. Weirdly, you know, that was never the intention, but that does seem to be the home that it has found. It's kind of like, that's the feedback that I get. It's like, oh, this is good for kids or good for introducing people to the game. Great. Awesome. Or you get DMs can just steal this map now. You can just quickly do out a map, play by yourself, and then there's your your dungeon for the night. Yeah, because I don't know about you guys, but when I'm designing something, I way overthink it. Why is this room here? And and and, and what was this room originally? You, you know, like, right. you get lost. Where did they go to the bathroom? Yeah, exactly. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. So once again, everybody, um, John, can you please tell everybody where they can find this treasure? Sure. So if uh, you're interested in listening to uh, Tale of the Manticore, you can get that wherever you get podcasts. It's kind of all over the place. And if you're interested in One Shot in the Dark, that is available on Drive-Thru RPG. Just do a search for Tale of the Manticore and you'll see it pop up. 
like literally guys i'm not lying i honestly did buy a copy of it while we were playing it's like that simple just please go and do it it's a phenomenal game like i said i've not played it before i thoroughly enjoyed this silly little silly little fun we had and i could totally see so many uses for this so many uses uh jim as always thank you so much for for being here um it's uh it's been a fun day i was i gotta be honest a little concerned about what it was going to be like doing an interview show we've not done that before but uh john you are a fantastic guest and uh your knowledge was great you threw out all the gems for everybody today I'm not sure I have any knowledge, but thank you so much for saying anyway. Yeah, John, I just want to say, like, Taylor Macor is my favorite podcast. It's such an honor to have you on the show and just uh, and to give you the forever title of our first guest. So, uh, And you know what? Thank you, guys. Um, I'm a fan of your show as well now, and uh, I'll, be, I'll be listening. And, uh, of course, thank you for the support. It it's really means a lot. It really does. Jim, you've been there for ages, and, uh, and so it's so... It's, it's really nice to actually be able to like sit and talk with you guys. Yeah, that's great. Well, we will have you on again, I'm sure, sometime in the future. Uh, Jim, any closing words? Uh, nope. Download all the things that John talked about today. <laughs> Those are good closing words. All right, everybody. <laughs> Thanks so much. Bye. Night. Next time on 13-Sided Die. All right, everybody, we are going to apologize because we did say that this episode was going to be a talk about Lord of the Rings. But you know what? We had a great opportunity to talk with John and uh, we just wanted to do it. And I'm so glad we did. Right, Jim? Apologize for nothing. Apologize for nothing. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed it. John was phenomenal. We, we really had a great time chatting with him and we'll probably have some more guests on in the future. So... That was good. So anyways, I guess in a long way of saying next week, next episode, we will go back to our Lord of the Rings discussions. But I do also want to uh, add a little something in here if we could. Uh, we've had some people say some amazing things about the show, and we thank everybody for listening and for feedback and comments. You guys are just fantastic. And I want to start off with uh, this uh, little comment here from a, a friend of ours, Chris, saying, Sean and Jim have some great chemistry going on, and it's a blast listening to them chat about all of our favorite game, D&D. So dig out some minis you need to paint and put this podcast on with a little smiley face. Uh, such nice words. Thank you so much. Um, we love what we do, right? Yeah, this is awesome. And uh, yeah, just anyone, if uh, we love getting messages from you, just email us at uh, crystalball at 13sidedie.com. Let us know what you think. If you hate us, if you like us, if you totally. got suggestions. Follow us on any of your podcast locations would be great. Uh, and uh, if you could, give us some stars and maybe leave a review. That that really helps out and uh, gets this little podcast going. There are, uh, put us on before you go to sleep to uh, bump up the listens. <laughs> <laughs> I bet our voices are the things you want to go to sleep on. <laughs> All right, guys, this has been a blast. We've had, I'm sorry. This is an extremely long show. It's probably our apologize for show. nothing. Sorry. We apologize for nothing. I'm not sorry. I'll stop being Canadian. Um, and today was a special Canadian show, right? All three of us, even John was from Canada as well. Yeah. Three connects. There you go. Can't get any better than that. Um, <laughs> All right, guys, I think Jim, is that everything? Yeah, that's everything. All right. We're not going to apologize. We're just going to say, uh, Hope you're all well. Good night. Goodbye. Woo. Bye. Well done, you. You've made it to the end of the podcast. You are a bold adventure to be sure. Remember to fill your wire skin and to have your blade sharpened at the blacksmith's before departing. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast to be notified of new 13-sided die adventures. And don't forget to tell your friends about the silly fools talking about D&D. 13-sided die has been brought to you by Sean and Jim. 
Executive produced by Sean and Jim. Mini painting by Sean and Jim. Engineered by Sean and Jim. Cobble and torture device by Sean and Jim. Conceptualized by Sean and Jim. Please note, no goblins were harmed in the making of this podcast.